0: The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Pray with me, please. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, we worship you. We are assured in a world of turmoil knowing that we belong to you because of Jesus, because you have given us to him. And he, being the good shepherd, he welcomes us. He cares for us. He protects us. He guides us and promises to never lose us and to raise us up at the last day. So how could we not be a thankful people? And with Thanksgiving Day approaching, we give you thanks. Thank you for your spirit, who has opened our eyes to your glory in the face of Jesus. Thank you for your covenant, which is kept for us by Jesus, that we might receive blessings instead of curses. Thank you for his sacrificial death, paying the price for our sins. Thank you for his resurrection from the grave, vindicating the offering of himself and giving us life. Lord, we are thankful for his exaltation, his ascension in glory, and for the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might commune with Christ and know that he is the King of kings who rules and cares for us from his heavenly throne. We are thankful, Lord. Thankful that Jesus is coming again that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord over all. We're thankful that Jesus is victorious, that with this perspective we can rightly read Psalm 2 and know that the arrogance of earthly kings and presidents is met with your heavenly chuckle. Lord, this is the perspective we need, to know that you are King of kings you do all things well, that the threats to our freedoms are ultimately puny, that our ultimate kingdom is your kingdom, the gates of hell may make a great noise, but they will never prevail. So help us to be good citizens, good representatives of you in this upside down nation and world. Give us a right vision of your sovereignty, that any disappointments in our culture and government won't result in depression or fear or despair, but instead hope and joy that can only come through Jesus. So we ask that you would give us unity of heart and mind and make us bold. We pray in the name that is by the authority of Jesus. Amen. We'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts 4. We'll be reading verses 13 to 31. You know, in um, one of our men's groups this week, a brother said something along the lines of, wouldn't it be great to be like that church in Acts? And then he read from the end of chapter 2, pointing out their devotion. Their devotion to God's Word, and their devotion to prayer, and their devotion to each other. How they cared for one another. How they loved one another. Pointing out the the beautiful unity that seems to be so rare in our churches today. And it is rare, of course, because we continue to struggle with sin. Sins that soon become evident in Acts. Next chapter, in fact, we'll get there. So this early church was not perfect, but still, there is this example of genuine Christianity. A lot of preachers of the past, when they're going through Acts, that's what they call this. This is genuine Christianity that we're looking at. Modeled for us. Something we should desire and pray for. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in Acts so quickly. What have we seen so far? Well, we've seen Jesus promising the Holy Spirit, before he ascends into heaven, we've seen the effect of God's word and the teaching of Jesus upon the apostles. We've seen that even though Jesus is gone, he's not absent. That he is the one the apostles appeal to as they cast lots and pray, Lord, you know, show us your choice of the apostle who will take Judas' place. And Jesus does so. And then the great day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon these disciples and 3,000 people are saved. Incredible. We've seen the incredible transformation of Peter as he boldly preaches confronting those who had Jesus crucified. Confronting them with their guilt. Cutting them to the heart. And then graciously offering salvation to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. We've seen that Pentecost is the beginning of a new era. It's a massive event in redemptive history. It's prophesied by Joel, where all of God's people, not just kings, not just prophets, women, children, young and old, all of God's people receive a permanent indwelling of the Spirit to equip them to Equip them for ministering to proclaim the gospel. This event is the this event of Pentecost. It was the beginning of the end. It's the start of the last days, which we're still in today, and which will eventually lead to the great and magnificent day of the Lord that Peter preaches about. and And their message is our message. Jesus is coming. People are guilty. They need to see and repent and look in faith to Jesus. The church is being established here in Acts. Jesus is the cornerstone that the builders, the Jewish leaders rejected. And even though they thought they were rid of him, Jesus laid the foundation by giving his chosen apostles similar signs and wonders, so that people would know, they would see, they're doing the work of God. They have God's authority. We better listen to them. And then they write our New Testament, and God's word is complete. That's why I would argue we don't see ongoing signs and wonders, because the point of those had to do with authority, and God's word is complete. That's our authority now. So this is some of what we've seen in the book of Acts, an aerial view, Jesus is ascended, but he's not absent. He's the one. He's the one who actually heals the man who was born lame, through Peter, and with each sign and wonder, Peter boldly preaches the gospel. And now there are five thousand saved. The Jewish leaders, they respond to this, this healing and this preaching exactly like they responded to Jesus when he was doing his earthly ministry before he ascended. Instead of recognizing the sign as the work of God, they want to suppress it. They want to suppress, they want to hide the glory of God. They want to maintain their own positions of power instead of rejoicing in the mercy of healing instead of recognizing an act of god and his message to them they shut it down they rush peter and john they throw them in jail overnight and instead of recognizing god's authority they they plot they set themselves against him this being a sad fulfillment of psalm 2 Which is quoted in our text that we're going to read. So the day after their arrest, Peter and John are brought before this great gathering of rulers and leaders. This intimidating group, meant to be intimidating. And once again, Peter boldly preaches Jesus. Saying there is salvation in no one else. So let's pick up where we left off. We're in Acts 4 and verse 3. 13 We'll read to verse 31. You can stay seated and just follow along as I read. Now when they, the, the Jewish leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they called them back in, charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then they had further, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had to say to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, Lord, And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of God. Would someone bring me a little bit of water? Thanks, Andrew. Well, there's a word, there's a theme that stands out in this passage. <clears throat> and it's boldness. Not arrogance, not defiance, but a unified confidence in God. A unified confidence in God that understands and submits to his mission for his church. It's boldness. And quickly I want to point out that something about verses 19 and 20. After I take a little sip of water here. So I want you to think along this theme of boldness. Verse 19 and 20. These verses instruct us concerning civil disobedience. But we need to pay close attention. And that, their bold reply to these leaders is not for the sake of disobedience, but obedience. God is the one who places governments over us. And our position is always one of obedience and not rebellion. Their bold reply was a declaration of obedience. It was a declaration of obedience to God. So if we ever disobey those in authority over us, it better be for the sake of obeying the one who is over them and not some foolish thinking that, that we are our own authority. That said, their reply is actually obedient. That's at the heart of their reply it's obedient it's bold peter is no longer a cowardly denier he is a bold preacher boldness is what these believers prayed for in verse 29 lord grant that we continue to speak your word with all boldness this is their prayer and you know some people are just some people are just bold aren't they <laughs> bold they're confident Confident in themselves, in their abilities, in their positions of power or authority. And those things can make a person bold. But there's always, the problem with that, there's always someone better. There's always someone with greater abilities. There's always someone with a a greater level of authority. But when your boldness, when when your confidence is in the Lord... There's no possibility for defeat. Oh yes, you may be thrown into jail. You may even die. But a right view of our God and His sovereign plan and His holy perfection only makes what looks like defeat victory. A part of His perfect plan. The cross looks like a terrible defeat. But it's the ultimate victory. And for you, what can separate you from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? How about famine or nakedness or sword? No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's confidence, right? That is, this is the truth that ought to make us bold. I want to think about boldness, the boldness of this early church. I want to consider how we might also be bold. And an obvious instruction to us is prayer. Are you praying for this godly boldness? Remember, if we, if we crave a, a genuine Christianity, one that we see and admire in this early church, then, then Acts 2.42 is something we need. Genuine Christianity is devoted. It's devoted to the teaching of God's Word. It's devoted to the breaking of bread. It's devoted to prayer. Peter and John, they're thrown into jail overnight. They were threatened. And when they were released, what did they do? They went to their friends. They went to their brothers and sisters in Christ. There's unity. There's connection. There's a genuine connection that rejoices with those who rejoice and weeps with those who weep. We're not bold individually. We are bold as His church. A church that prays. For them, persecution has begun. And in response to this, they prayed. They prayed a prayer that references God's word in Psalm 2. And they prayed for boldness. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They prayed for boldness. Boldness to keep speaking the truth of the gospel in an atmosphere of persecution where they were threatened. Threatened by the very people who only weeks ago had Jesus crucified. Threatened by people who they know carry out their threats. How bold is this prayer? Think about how they might have reacted. They're not praying for protection here. They didn't even leave. They didn't leave. Remember, most of the apostles... They're not from, they're Galileans. Jerusalem's not their home. They they could have gone home. But Jesus told them to be his witnesses beginning with Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Their prayer is bold and they prayed for more boldness to continue the work of Jesus in Jerusalem. How might we justify something else? Certainly there were, there were children among the... I think when it mentions 3,000 and 5,000, it's just referencing the men. So there's much more. And there's children. There are vulnerable family members. What about their safety? It's right to consider their safety. What about their protection? Aren't these, aren't these are godly concerns. Safety, protection. Lord, save us. Lord, we're being threatened. They may imprison us. They may torture us. They might execute us. Lord, please give us wisdom to know how to respond. Lord, please protect us. That would be a godly prayer too. It wouldn't be wrong for them to have these concerns, to pray in this way. But what does it say about their faith when we read... Lord, give us even more boldness. Give us more boldness to continue doing what will eventually lead to such persecution. If we want genuine Christianity, if we want to be like this early church, then we need this kind of boldness. We need to keep praying for more. And of course, this kind of boldness is only because of the Holy Spirit in us. Verse 31 tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with all boldness. It's the only explanation. People don't tend to put their lives at risk and then ask for more and do it with joy. This is the work of God. His Holy Spirit working in the lives of His people. Yes, there is A natural kind of boldness with people. One that might say, you know, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you, Jesus. That's bold, isn't it? Willing to die. It's a bold statement that I'm sure Peter meant. But his self-confidence wasn't enough as a few days later he cowers to the questions of a servant girl and denies Jesus and isn't so bold. Our friend, here's here's boldness. Our friend pictured up here, Fikret, many of you know, has told us his powerful testimony. How he converted to Christ in a Muslim country. How he was arrested. How he was arrested for his faith. Knowing that the the reputation of the prison that he was in. Meant torture. And in many cases not coming out. Being executed. His is a powerful example of human weakness. And the grace of God. The grace of God to give Foucret a boldness that he didn't even expect. For each prisoner was given an opportunity to to be released if they just deny Christ and say there is no God but Allah. And Fouquet, when he tells his testimony, confesses that his plan was to say those words but not really mean them. When it, when it was his time to speak, he wanted to say those words. He wanted to speak. He even tried to say the words, but what he describes is like a a hand covering his mouth, physically preventing him from denying his Lord. In his case, the Holy Spirit graciously kept him from opening his mouth and denying Christ, even though this grace led to torture, but then thankfully an eventual release. We need holy spirit boldness we need to pray for this kind of boldness to continue speaking his word even if it means ridicule even if it means being canceled even if it means a growing persecution how can we be bold for christ well through prayer by the work of the holy spirit and then thirdly By knowing God's Word. The Holy Spirit works in us through the truth of God's Word. Paul in Ephesians 6 says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So we need to take it and read it. We need to know it. We need to be bold in its truth. This is what we see in their prayer. Look at verse 24. And when they heard it, that is, when they, they heard about the threats of the chief priests and elders, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I love that. I love that. They know God. God, if God is for us, who can be against us? God who is sovereign. God who who spoke and everything came into existence. God who was not surprised, was not caught off guard by the crucifixion of his son. God who had Jesus delivered up according to his definite plan, his foreknowledge, To be crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God is sovereign. And if you deny this, then you undermine a godly, Holy Spirit filled boldness in the trials of your life. Let me say that again. If you deny the sovereignty of God, you undermine a godly, Holy Spirit filled boldness in the trials of your life. And you will have trials, many trials through this life. You know, a a couple of weeks ago, Jen and I celebrated our 35th anniversary. Uh, Can't believe it's been that long. We took a little trip to Arizona, visited family, and um, while we were gone, visited two churches. One that was really, really good reminded me of you, reminded me of our church, and one that was not very good at all. In fact, it was terrible. And I'm not just being picky. And the difference was sovereignty. That was the difference. Honestly, I know that the sovereignty of God and the free will of man have been debated for hundreds of years, but when someone preaches that God has given over the title deed to this world, to satan that satan has the title deed that he is in control that therefore hurricanes should be called acts of satan instead of acts of god and that god is a gentleman and will not save you unless you take that first step if you believe such things then you really cannot believe that god is in control you can't simultaneously say, like every Christian will say, especially in times of trouble, God is on the throne. You can't believe that stuff and say that. They're mutually exclusive. Satan Satan gets the blame because he's the one who has the title. You can't say that. No, God declares, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And this isn't to say that Satan isn't responsible for some terrible things. But God is sovereign. God was sovereign over the most terrible thing of all, the murder of his son. And Herod... And Pontius Pilate and the Romans and each one that cried out, crucify him. They were responsible. God's sovereignty does not deny human responsibility. Again, there is is real human authority. And then there's God who writes his story. Satan is given authority by our sovereign God. We see this in the book of Job. God is the one who, who presents his servant Job to Satan, and God is the one who gives limits to what Satan, what his authority is, what he can and cannot do, saying, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, Satan. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. You can you, And that's where it started. You can take his stuff, but just don't hurt him. So Satan went out. From the presence of the Lord. God is sovereign. If you wrestle with this. Keep wrestling. It's hard. Yes it's hard to comprehend. I'd love to talk with you about it. I love this topic. I love it because I've dealt with my own sufferings in life. And the sovereignty of God is crucial. So struggle with it. But whatever you do, don't give in to any idea of God not being God. Of God not being sovereign over all. Because one result of this is that you're opening yourself up to doubt. If God is not the sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. If this is not who he is today, then the raging of the Gentiles and the plots of people. And the rebellion of earthly rulers are a very real threat. And these early believers in Acts were only optimistic, maybe, in praying. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined. To take place. If God is not the sovereign Lord who predestines everything that occurs, then your boldness is not in Him. And it's more likely that you'll be like self confident Peter before the cross than the bold Peter in Acts. Know God, know God, rightly know His word. And if you know God, then you know that all of the evil things going on in this world, all of, the, all of the arrogance of our leaders, all of the terrible decisions, the double standards, the injustices, the corruption, none of this is out of his reach. Yes, it's mysterious, but it's according to his plan. More and more, I love Psalm 2, which is what these believers quote in their prayer. Directly, this psalm um, applies to Jesus and how the rulers of his day plotted and set themselves against him and had him murdered. But it's also a description of God's position in our day. Because every generation has these kinds of arrogant leaders. Look at this quote from Psalm 2 in our text. And see if you recognize the same thing in our day. Why do the Gentiles rage? Do you see that sense of raging? I often ask, what do they actually want? Is there anything positive that they're after? It's just raging. Why did the Gentiles rage? The people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. This is the reality in our day. Does it make you nervous? It shouldn't. It shouldn't if you know that God is sovereign. If you know the psalmist's reply, his reply is, he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. This is your God. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Our greatest threat is, to God, laughable. (laughs) Seriously. They're a joke. Their puny threats are ridiculous to Him. And when we realize this, when we realize that the sovereign God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him, it makes us bold. Bold like Pastor Dale living with ALS. That kind of bold. Bold like our brother Paul Steinhardt, who's been dealing with cancer. Here's what he wrote uh, recently to me. He says, from the beginning, God gave me peace about this. He's, he's going through cancer. I'm in his hands and trust him with my life. Over the last couple of months, things have been difficult. But every time I was in need, God provided. Encouraging words from a friend, food, and gifts of money. Always in God's time. God's promises are real and His timing is perfect. I won't I won't let my cancer go to waste, he says. That's bold. I won't let my cancer go to waste. I want to use it to show the glory of God. I hope and pray that I can encourage others, not just cancer people. I want to encourage others that God is here and using our lives. He is also very concerned about individual lives. I say God is with me, so I don't say why me, but why not me? Pray for Paul. Pray for the Steinharts. But that's bold. That's godly boldness. A confidence in a sovereign God and not ourselves. What did the rulers and the elders see in Peter and John? They saw boldness. They saw that it wasn't because of their education. It wasn't because of some high standing in society. No, they saw a boldness that can only come from Jesus. You know, probably the greatest compliment anyone could ever receive is said of these men in verse 13. Don't you think? They said, it says, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This can be true for you too. Because you too have the gift of prayer, you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's Word, wouldn't it be great to hear someone say, you know, I can tell you've been with Jesus. One of the characteristics of Jesus is seen by the godly influence that we have on others, that he had on his disciples that they then had on others, making bold disciples who then go and make more disciples. I want to close with a video that gives testimony to this truth. The man speaking is Pastor Jason Graves, and the man standing next to him is a longtime friend of the Metters, Bruce Moon, who's visiting this morning. He's an elder he was an elder in Pastor Dale's former church down in San Diego, a man who looks like he's been with Jesus because he was, he was impacted by Pastor Dale, who likewise knows and thus resembles Jesus. Let's watch this together.
1: Hi, Pastor Dale. My name is Jason Graves, and I think we didn't get to meet. Bruce said that you came to church on a weekend where I was out of town, but he's just filled me in on your story and the impact that you've made on his life, and uh, we were just talking this morning after men's prayer. In fact, there's a few guys left. Uh, We have guys that that are meeting every Tuesday morning to pray, and um, I know that the change that happened in Bruce's life was largely because God used you to help. Change the direction that he was heading. Yes, and uh, because of that, uh, Bruce is one of the key dudes in our church that helps other guys find their way. And uh, we just got done having a huge event we've yeah. been working on for yeah. a long time. We had uh, about 400 guys uh, showing up on the campus and uh, had a great weekend of encouraging them, challenging them. and uh, That's why his voice is so jacked. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not a heavy change smoker. <laughs> <Michael. laughs> And Bruce, as you, I'm going to guess you know, is, is one of the elders of our church and has been such a blessing and encouragement to so many men and myself included. So anyways, just wanted to reach out to you as somebody who is a, in a very real way, a recipient of blessing because of your faithfulness over the years through this guy. And now here he is down in, in San Diego, just uh, North County, making a huge impact in the lives of so many other men. So I wish you could have been here and sit in the circle this morning with us praying. Yeah, we had about 25, 30 guys. Dale, you would have loved this. Yeah. 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 So anyways, I want to pray for you, brother. Lord, I ask for um, for Dale, Lord, uh, that you will give him strength, energy, and health to accomplish the things that you still have for him, Lord. And I pray that uh, his time with, mm. with Bruce and Vicki would be mm. sweet and precious. I'm assuming if he's watching this, and they're probably there right now with him. Mm. And uh, we just thank you, God, for Heroes of the Faith. who are obedient to you and uh, never know the far-reaching impact in other areas in maybe a decade, two decades later Mm. because of our faithfulness. So may that encourage him and his family. In Mm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Dale. God bless you. Hope to get to meet you someday, brother. All right. Thanks. (laughs)
0: Wasn't that great? Yeah. Don't underestimate the lasting impact that you can have for the sake of Christ. You don't realize how many people you affect, that you touch. God is sovereign. All things are in His hand. So be bold in Him. Which means be constant in prayer as a part of Christ's church. Walk with the Spirit, opening the various doors of your life so that He might fill you and equip you. And keep growing in knowing God through reading His Word, studying His Word. Let's let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, make us bold. Make us bold for Jesus' sake and not our own. Make us bold in, your, in our praying, in our pursuit of knowing you, in our love for one another, in our witness, in our suffering. May it all communicate that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords so that we might boldly sing that we expect a bright tomorrow. And that faith can sing through days of sorrow because it's on our Father's love that we're relying. And that through Jesus, every need He's supplying. Yes, in living or in dying, all must be well. All will be well. We pray this and now sing this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this together.